Gavin, thank you for taking the time. You are um, one of the first people that have told about their story back uh, back on our road trip to Eau Claire in February um, before the idea saw really the light of day for for the most part. You were you were in on it. You were in on it early, um, and you've been nothing but supportive. So, had to thank you and uh, been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. We've tried it one other time, didn't necessarily work out, but um, you know I'm ready to ready to get into it. Yeah, I'm pumped. Thanks for having me. So, Gavin Smith from Henry, Illinois. Uh, I'd be probably willing to bet that a lot of people don't know where Henry, Illinois is. So I want you to tell me where Henry is and what was growing up in Henry like? Yeah, so Henry is in central Illinois. Um, It's 30 minutes north of Peoria, 30 minutes south of LaSalle, Peru. Um, Really small town, farm town. Um, Growing up in Henry, just a lot of hanging out with friends going riding around on bikes, um, playing baseball, just kind of messing around, just your typical, like, just kids growing up story. You know, we would always hang out every summer. Um, just really, yeah, it's it's just kind of, it was fun. There was a lot of good things to it, some bad. Um, but it was having my friends, you know, so close to me and around me all the time was great because you know we all lived five minutes from each other so it was really just a lot of every day we'd ride our bikes to each other's houses um but yeah so we've met um semi-recently you interned for pbr prep baseball report which obviously i work for you interned and now you're continuing to do work for us and you're doing great work and when I think of when I think of Gavin Smith, I think great kid, and I know that's so commonly used. Oh, you know, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. But you know, and I'm gonna say kid, not in a demeaning way. I, I, you are younger than me, so I think I can I can I can say that. But um, good head on his shoulders, great attitude, works hard. Like you are, you're a guy. Like you're someone that. Um, you know, again, when, once I had this idea of their story, we started bouncing ideas off of each other. We started thinking of just how, where can this go? How, you know, how can I approach this? You've been, you've been there for me along the way, you know, the, the last three months. And, and that's, I appreciate that a lot. Um, and I don't, I haven't really had a lot of these conversations that we've had about the bouncing ideas and stuff like that off of each other with with others. Um, I think that's just a testament to who you are, your personality. You're always thinking, you have great ideas. Where did this start? Where did kind of these personality traits of being and and, and smart? I don't want to, not necessarily textbook smart, right? I don't have any transcripts in front of me, but you come off as a guy who, again, is always thinking, who's thinking a step ahead thinking of ways to be innovative, has ideas, is creative. Um, what? Where did you get these personality traits? When did they start? When did you notice them? Um, take me through that. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of people that kind of shaped who I am now. Um, definitely both of my brothers. I have two older brothers. Um, and I always kind of like... They, my middle brother is, I think, eight years older than me. And then my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. So growing up, I always kind of had them to look after. And they kind of set a path for me, whether it was sports or just kind of goals in life. And I wanted to kind of challenge myself to be like them or be better than them. Like um, when it came to sports, we would always play, you know, out in the backyard basketball or something or play catch or throw around the wiffle ball and I'd hit and they'd be pitching. And I always, even though they had the age gap on me, I just wanted to be better. Um, And it helped me kind of instill confidence because I was always, you know, playing basketball or baseball against people older than me. So it allowed me to 
kind of be confident when I would be playing kids my own age because they never took it easy on me. Like that's just how brothers are. They're always they're always tough on me. But um, so definitely those two. And then my parents, um, I think my dad taught me just, you know, kind of how to work hard because he's one of the hardest workers I know. Just I always growing up, I mean, he just was always working hard at work. Like he'd always, you know, just kind of show me the way of this is how you need to kind of have a career and this is how to be successful in your career. Um, and then my mom kind of showed me, you know, the compassion uh, how to be kind, how to treat people right. And um, she taught me a lot of kind of more like empathy and, and that side of things. And then obviously, like, I think as I've gotten older, I, you know, with you and some of my other friends that I have, we kind of have gotten to the point now where we're in the day and age where you kind of have to be creative to be successful within certain fields and I think kind of the field that we're in you kind of have to think outside of the box it's not so cookie cutter like maybe it was back in the day and how how careers used to go I think so talking with people like you um, and some other friends that have kind of that same drive and desire to kind of almost build their their own brand their own vision their their own career path I think that has helped shape me as well um, because it kind of challenges you to, you know, I don't want to say be better because I'm not trying to be better than my friends, but you, when you're surrounding yourself by people that are motivated to do certain things in life, that allows you to kind of challenge yourself even more and helps you kind of spark creativity, motivation and confidence, whatever it is. So definitely a lot of people have shaped me. Um, and obviously it's, still going here so yeah yeah your story by no means is is done man i'm excited to see where it goes and and you're right i think the where we are now i mean because it really is just it's media and it's always evolving like ideas never stop you always have to think outside of the box um which is i've seen it just with myself i, I constantly look at you know some of the, the podcasts that i listen to i'm like okay what are they doing and and should I, I'm trying to mimic some of the things that they're doing. And I'm like, wait, but what's working for them might not work for me. And what works for me might not work for them. So, you know, there's no cookie cutter. There's no, um, you know, textbook on, on what to do, how to lay out every, you know, it, there's just no game plan necessarily. You just kind of wing it, do it on the fly and, and see what works. Um, baseball huge part of your story um you know played collegially at Carl Sandburg College when did baseball enter your life and was it always did you see a career in it did you see you yourself working in it as you are now where did, when did baseball start for you and did you think it would lead you to where you are on May 18th 2023 yeah. Um, I definitely never thought that I would be in the position that I am now uh, with the job that I have. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that I, I do have the job that I have, but I guess it started, baseball started for me kind of, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with my brothers. Probably three years old. I mean, I was really little when I started playing and um, just, you know, backyard wiffle ball my dad and my brother's throwing to me playing catch with them um it's kind of it was always this thing where my dad and my two older brothers would be playing catch um with an actual baseball and I always wanted to get in on it because I wanted to be like the big guys but I wasn't big enough to be playing catch with you know guys that age because they were just throwing way too hard for a two or three year old but um you know playing in, we'd play in our living room too with like a little one of those like water balls or whatever and like a little small wooden bat but yeah so just when I was two or three that's when I started um and then I went into like t-ball and it's kind of like a running joke in my family so I had always seen my oldest brother play um and when I was in t-ball I 
would like want to steal bases and like play like how you're actually supposed to play. But obviously when you're in T-ball, that's just not how it works. Um, so I only played T-ball like one year and then I went on and started going to like coach pitch and stuff. And it really didn't, I didn't have like that desire or even thought or probably didn't even know that it was possible to play baseball professionally until I started playing like travel ball at like 10U, 11U, 12U. Um, and that was nothing crazy. It was just like Henry had like a travel program. Um, and, and we were good and it was just us playing with my friends. But at that point it was kind of in my head. I'm like, well, I want to, like, this is my dream. Like if I can do anything, it's to play baseball professionally. Um, I get older and, um, you know, junior high comes around, that dream's still there. Um, I just, that's all I kind of thought about was baseball, playing baseball. Um, I liked basketball a lot. I played basketball growing up, but baseball was just my, my main sport always. Um, and then come high school, it was kind of more, I knew I was like, okay, well, college is my first option right now. So I was kind of trying to figure out how I would fit in at a college positionally. Um, I knew that pitching was probably my best option. So I, um, started kind of looking at schools and, um, senior year a junior college Carl Sandburg was the only school that I actually had a chance to play at and I think in my head I thought I was a lot better than I actually was but I kind of I guess I got to college and my like thoughts towards the game changed because in high school and I don't mean this has come off the wrong way but like I just was so confident because I was one of the better players on my team and in our area. Um, So I'd never like had any doubts, but then when I got to college, you see all these guys and I was with the pitchers predominantly because I was a a PO. So you see all these guys throwing 85, 86, 87, and I'm like throwing 79, 80. It's like, dude, come on. So it kind of got in my head where I'm like, "Am, am I able to do this? Like, am I even good enough? And then I think, I started having like these doubts of whether I was good enough or not. Um, And then I kind of just struggled. Like, I think I struggled on a mound where I would pitch in college because not my physical ability. I think physically I was able to get people out at that level and compete, but mentally I wasn't, I wasn't there to like I, I didn't have that mental strength or mental toughness to compete at that level because I think anyone you ask that plays baseball or sports in general you know that you have to have that mental toughness in order to be successful at every level but as it the level goes higher the higher like mental confidence and toughness you need um so I just don't think I had that and I, I just wasn't successful and it was really hard so I kind of transitioned out after my sophomore year because I was the COVID year too so it ended short so I was already kind of done with it I had a couple opportunities to play at some D3 schools but I just knew that I wasn't the love for the game wasn't there anymore so I decided to transfer to Illinois State just for school Um, and then at Illinois State I kind of just was like I'm done with baseball forever I don't want to be around it didn't want to watch it nothing I just I don't know if I was angry or just what the situation was, but uh, yeah, I stopped playing and a couple of years go by at ISU and kind of missed the game. So I applied for this internship with PBR, got it. And ever since then, that was, so that was last summer. I've been around the game, watch it, love it. So I'm, I'm back in it, but in a different way and probably in the way that was meant for me. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Take me back to Carl Sandburg College. You're, did you have any humbling moments? Maybe one or two that you can you can remember. Was was there maybe a certain moment, or was it just over time you um, maybe realized whether it was mentally or physically that you you weren't at the level you wanted to be? Um, because it sounds like. It, you could get guys out 
you know, you could perform. And you're there, and you know, everyone says it, you know, you're here for a reason, you're here for a reason, and you are. I mean, because that's the truth. It's so, you know, it's said so much, but because there's some truth to it. You know, you are there for a reason, you belonged there. Um, but were there any specific moments where you you started to think, okay, I maybe I maybe I don't belong here. So, uh, like that actually just brought a flashback back. Uh, not a good one either, but I was on the mound, East Peoria against ICC. Uh, fall, it was a fall game. Um, a cold fall night. Um, big lefty from ICC comes up to the plate. I think he was our three or four hitter. I just threw a fastball right down the middle. He just took it over the right field fence for an absolute bomb. And I just kind of looked up at it. I was like, shoot, fly down. And like that, my confidence after that just like dropped. I'm like, all right, well, I this like I'm just getting shelled. Like no one else has had a bomb kill off in that far, but I come in and pitch, and, and that happens. Um, so like I think that was a really determining moment for me that kind of set me back a little bit. And then from there, it was more. I think a lot of it was I was in my head so much of like as a pitcher you want to be at the on the mound and thinking I'm going to get this guy out I'm going to throw this fastball here it's going to go it's going to you know he's going to swing and miss or it's going to just dot the corner or whatever and my mentality was when I was pitching was more please just throw a strike that's a horrible mentality to have but I I I got to the point where I just was like outside the zone so much and I just always like visualized throwing the ball so when you visualize that you think that you say that to yourself it's what's going to happen um and so I think it other than that one moment it just kind of progressively just my mindset just got worse and worse and worse and that's I just never got better if I'm a fly on the wall Whatever your living arrangement is, whether you're at home or you're dorming, whatever. If I'm a fly on the wall while you're at Carl Sandburg College, back home, again, wherever, you know, you're dorm, whatever. Um, what am I seeing after practice, maybe before practice? I just had, uh, I just had um, Christian Barzi on, uh, episode will come out. Once people listen to this episode, would have come out. Um, you know, he had said, you know, it, it was tough for him sometimes, like before practice, maybe, you know, getting mustering up enough, you know, courage and energy to get out of bed because he, he'd started to feel such anxiety around the game, um, started to feel like he had to perform at a certain level for other people. I think if I was a fly on his wall, I would have seen him, just like he said, maybe struggling to get out of bed a little bit, or maybe not get out of bed, but just while he's getting dressed for a game or practice, it's it's not as um, maybe joyous as you would think someone playing college baseball would be. What would I have experienced if I'm looking at Gavin Smith in his, his college days? Yeah, um... I think after the practices were over, I kind of, so we, we had apartments at Carl Sandberg that like all the athletes lived in after. So after the practices or games or whatever, I would just go back to my apartment and I pretty much just, I surprisingly was able to block it out pretty well. Maybe 15 minutes afterwards, me and my roommate, we would just sit and talk and kind of go through it because I was mad or he was mad or whatever happened that day at practice um and how we performed we would talk through that a little bit but it was more for me it became like a it was kind of I thought of it more as like a job rather than fun so kind of like you had mentioned before practice it's like you wake up like I I, I mean even lifting in the morning we had the I my lifting group was at like 6 30 I think and on it I didn't even mind lifting that much but it still was just I'm waking up and it was, it wasn't like I was super excited or especially my freshman year, I wasn't super excited or energetic to go or motivated. And same thing with practice. It was, 
we would always just kind of wait before practice and kind of be mad that practice was going to happen that day because I knew I'd go there. And especially if I had a bullpen scheduled to throw that day, I probably was going to be throwing a bunch of balls or I was going to be thinking negatively. So I just kind of started dreading it. Um, but I, I really tried my best to kind of block it out when I was outside of practice or the game um, just for that reason. What about the mental side of the game? Have you learned now being in the seat that you're in and now knowing what you know from your own experiences? Are there, are there times where maybe people, because it's not often talked about, right? And And it's not realized for years and years after. I think it's tough for people to kind of admit I wasn't mentally tough. I think it's super hard for people to, one, realize that, two, vocalize it. Um, so when people when people say that now or when you hear people talk about it, because I think now we're, we're at a day and age where people are vocally, vocalizing that more, um, you know, whatever it is, like uh, just, I guess just, you know, I guess adversity, I... I don't like using the word diversity. It's so many things fall under that umbrella, but I think it's just a buzzword over overused. And yes, now I'm on my soapbox, but now being in the seat that you're in, do you relate to some of those? And again, it's, it's vocalized more. Now you see professional athletes talking about, um, you know, a tough start, how it affects them, um, how long it might last, how, you know, how much they might think about it. Do you relate to a lot of that now that you're in the seat that you're in? Do you can you notice it in other players at times? Can you, um, you know, what do you know now? I guess, um, or how do you see the whole mental side of the game now in your seat, knowing what you know from your college days? Yeah, it's uh, especially with what we do for work at baseball games all the time. I see so many kids when they pitch, especially give up a home run, give up a couple hits. And you can tell that they don't know how to handle failure. And I get it a hundred percent because it is hard, especially when you're a really good player that is committed to a big time school, throwing really hard on the mound where you should be getting these kids out. And when you give up a hit or a home run, like that's hard because they probably don't really see failure that much. And that's kind of the same boat that I was in. And I hate seeing that. And I think it's it's tough to see that. But it, it's just so hard to teach someone how to be mentally tough or how to, to even accept that when something doesn't go well, it's hard to teach them how to solve that because it's different for every person. You know, the way it works for me or the way I understand it or the way that I could help myself think differently when I'm on the mound or think positively is going to be different for you. Like it, it, so I do sympathize with it when I see it happen. Um, and I, I think the best, I don't know, the best advice that I would give is just trying to understand that you're going to fail, especially when you play baseball. And I know it's super cliche to say this, and it it's just, it is, but you're going to fail. Like, good players, Hall of Famers, fail seven out of ten times, and they still get in the Hall of Fame. Like, that's the most cliche thing ever. But it's so true. And I think, I guess going back to me, I don't know if it was... Because I was in a situation where if I didn't pitch well, I probably wouldn't be pitching again for a while because I was on a short leash. Whereas, you know, maybe the one or two starter on our team could have a bad outing and still he's going to start the next outing and he's supposed to start. So maybe it was harder for me because I knew if I failed, that was probably the end of the road for me or, or less, I'd be getting less opportunities. Um, but I think it's just you have to find a way to stay positive. You have to visualize success. I think that was a huge component for me in um, in high school. Every time 
before I would start, whether I was ready on the bus or I was just, it was a home game. So I, I would somehow take 10, 15 minutes out of my day before the game to visualize how I expected the game to go down to like every detail, how it smells, how the ball feels, how it feels when you throw a strike, the feeling you get when you strike someone out, all of those things. Um, and I think that's a really big part that I like helped me be successful at, in high school. And I didn't carry that over to college and I don't know why, but I think that's a really big piece of advice I would give to someone. It's just use visualization as a, a way to help you. Where did you learn the concept of visualization? Um, actually, the mental game of baseball book. Um, I read it in high school almost probably every year. And for whatever reason, I got to college and I didn't bring it with me. Didn't read it. I don't know why. But, I mean, that, that was that book was awesome. Uh, it teaches you a lot about confidence, visualization, um, just how to handle success, how to handle negativity, how to handle failures. Um, yeah. Are there any regrets there? You could have finished off, you know, a couple more years of eligibility. I had, I had my former wrestling coach on again, by the time everyone's hearing this, that episode would have been published. Um, but we talked a little bit about maybe his regrets and his losses and mine. You know, I ultimately did not achieve what I had set out to achieve in my wrestling career. And even at the age of 26, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it haunts me, but I would, I think about it whenever I go and visit the wrestling team at back in my high school, or if I have a, a buddy whose younger brother something is wrestling and I'll go catch a tournament or a meet or go watch a match. I think about it. It pops into my head and, and I think of what could have been. I think of the stories I could have told. I think of, I think of loss. I think of failure. Um, do you have any, any thought and, you know, thoughts of, of regret surrounding that, you know, not finishing it out? That's a, uh, I don't know. That's kind of a hard thing to, to answer, I guess, because I don't know. I don't want to be, I, I don't know. I always try and kind of think to myself, I never want to regret anything I do. And, and I guess when I kind of look back, it's hard to say I do. I, I regret the things that happened. Um, I think the only regret that I really would have is that I didn't appreciate playing in college more because um, as a kid, like five-year-old Gavin Smith to 18-year-old Gavin Smith would have been super proud of the fact that he was playing in college, even if it wasn't Vanderbilt or Illinois or wherever, even if it was just a junior college, I, would, I little Gavin Smith would have been so proud of that. And I think the fact that I didn't appreciate the opportunity or that I had that opportunity that maybe not a lot of the other or the world gets to gets to have. I, I think I should have appreciated that more, but I, I don't regret anything other than that, I guess, um, because it not playing those extra two years or three years, whatever it was that I would have had, uh, allowed me to get to where I am now. And had I been playing for another two years, whether it was in a D3 or wherever else, I probably wouldn't have met the people that I met. I wouldn't have been with the people that I am with now. I wouldn't have the job that I have now. So it is, it, it's hard to say that I regret it. I, I don't like to say that I regret really anything because I think everything happens for a reason, like truthfully. And that's another super cliche thing to say, but I really do believe that. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how things, things went down. Obviously, when I mean, looking at high school or something, I wish we would have won a state championship. Um, but you know, it, things happen and if it doesn't happen, that's fine. It's the way it's supposed to go. So I'm okay with it. The route you chose has led you to where you are today. Um, which is, you got a lot going for you again, working with us, which, you know, you've been awesome. 
Um, and you're also doing some things on your own, some personal projects. One of them is Mindly. What is Mindly? When did it when did it start? Give us some background on that. Yeah, so Mindly, I guess the concept for me came in my junior college days because I was having those negative thoughts, that bad mindset when I was on the mound, when I was at the field, and I didn't have anywhere to, at least I didn't feel like I had anywhere to turn to, to get advice from other baseball players, whoever, that could provide any value to me with like a quality mindset to have. And yeah, I had that book, but it's still... It's different reading a book than, you know, listening to someone or even maybe talking to someone about it. And I, I guess I could have talked to some of the other guys on my team. But anyway, I had this idea and I, so this past January, I started it. So the idea behind MindLate is to kind of have this platform, I guess, for any athlete really or anyone that could find value in it. But kind of the main target is baseball players because that's what I know that was kind of my situation. So um, basically it's helping them find a mindset that will work for them and seeing that there are other players out there that maybe have dealt with, you know, some negativity when they're on the mound or at the plate or wherever, and they can go to this place and watch a video of Mike Trout talking about his mindset when he's at the plate or before he gets to the plate what he thinks and how he processes everything. And I think that's super beneficial for baseball players to have. Um, it kind of gives them a place to go to try and learn that to the best of their ability, because that is a, such a huge part of the game. Um, so yeah, it really just stemmed from my Juco days. And, and I really just want to try and help the next generation of, of baseball players kind of find success because I think I would have had I not had, you know, those mental blocks. And you can find Mindly on TikTok, on Instagram. I'll link everyone so they can check it out. And kind of back to what I was saying about it's becoming more common for these athletes to vocalize the mental side of the game now. Um, the clips that you're posting, you know, you are seeing the guys like Mike Trout, you know, even Jim Tomey or what have you. Like all, you know, all these athletes are talking about what makes them successful or what made them successful and not it's not the mainstream kind of uh you know we can go anywhere and find recruiting advice we can find we can go to a lot of places and and just figure out you know what lifts to do at the gym to raise your metrics but i think the the mission that you're on and it's it's things that you just can't find everywhere um or maybe find anywhere you know that's the that's probably the the problem is it's tough to find you know for someone that might have been going through what you were going through maybe some of the self-doubt maybe imposter syndrome you can't some of those resources or someone you can relate to maybe an idol that you can relate to it's not often accessible so for you to do what you're doing and to give players uh, that outlet that, oh, okay, so oh, so Mike Trout's think you know, this is his framework on how he handles this or thinks about this. Like, okay, I can relate to that because this is kind of what I'm going through, even at a JUCO level, right? Um, it's kind of all the same, right? It's all the same game. Um, so I think that's awesome what you're doing. And what if you, I think you can tell that it resonates with so many people by the amount of views, likes, and shares, comments, right? That it's, it's a thing. It's, it's definitely a thing. Again, the, the, the mental toughness, sometimes the imposter syndrome, it's a real thing. And you can see that people resonate with it based on the amount of times your content is being shared. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way I look at it too, and I think we've already kind of touched on it a little bit is just it doesn't matter like you kind of brought up the metrics and, and lifting and or 
what lessons or whatever it is to, to get better. But you can, I think you've seen it. I've seen it. You can be as, have the best metrics and, and be this amazingly talented player physically. But if you aren't mentally strong enough to compete and, you know, be confident and handle failure, failure, you're not going to ever go anywhere professionally. Like you can even look at players in the, in the big league. They, they either don't stay and, you know, they might, they were probably this absolute stud in high school and college. They get to the pros and they're just not as successful and they get dropped down or they get cut or whatever it is. And I think it has a lot to do with, they probably just weren't mentally prepared or they weren't able to handle that you know, first two weeks that they got pulled up and they, they went one for 20 or whatever. I, I think I think a lot of people just developing that mental side is, is really important and it, it's what sets the greats or just even good, your average player in the MLB over the rest because you have to have that to be successful. In terms of starting the, the mind leap pages, Obviously, a lot of the inspiration was driven from your personal experiences, but what made you start it in terms of, did you think that, did you realize that there was a certain time to start it? And I mean that by, was there, did you notice maybe a demand for it? Did you see maybe some other things out there that, that you saw resonating with people and that you thought that you can, you can offer it maybe in your own way or, or. Aside from your, your personal experiences, was there anything else that drove you to start this? Because not only, I guess there's a, you know, a few parts to, to launching something or starting something. It's one, the, the internal maybe experiences and desire, but two, you must have seen a market for it. You must have seen something there, maybe a demand, I guess. Did you see that out there? Kind of. I think a lot of it too... Like when, so I'd had this idea for a long time and even I've just had this, I, I, I don't know. I've always kind of wanted to start my own brand or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, just kind of like what you're doing, something where it's a passion project, just seeing what you can do because it's, you enjoy it. And I, I read this quote, I think it was in a book or maybe it was, I saw a video, but it basically said, you're never going to be prepared to actually do something, whether it be starting a podcast, starting a company, whatever it is that you're doing, you're not going to be prepared to do it. And planning it for weeks and months and years isn't going to do any good for you. You just have to actually do it. So that's kind of what I did. It really wasn't right now. I feel like there's a need for it because I think there's been a need for this to be talked about for, for a long time. But I think at the time it was more just, all right, I'm either going to do it or I'm just going to keep telling people and my friends, Hey, this is an idea I have. And I didn't want it to be an idea. So I just went ahead and, and did it. And obviously it's, it's hasn't really been anything huge other than, you know, some social media pages and platforms, but it was kind of just, Hey, I want to see if I can even do this and see if I can provide value to people. And I think I like to think that it has somewhat so far. Um, you know, I've had some people send some DMs and, and talk to me about it, but I, I hope I hope it provides value to people. I hope people think it's useful for them. Um, but yeah, it was really just more about just doing it and seeing what happens rather than trying to plan it and get super super into all the planning stages of it. What have you learned from launching? Is there anything that you've learned, whether it's from players, um, you know, again, maybe reaching out and telling you how much it resonates with them, or maybe something you learned about yourself or actually starting a passion project? What what have you learned from starting Mind Elite? Yeah, I think I've honestly just pretty much, I mean, for a while, every day I was posting and then it became, I think, bi-weekly I did it and then just once a week and I've kind of been lacking a little bit lately, but when I was doing it, you know, you're watching these videos of people talking about staying positive, 
having these good mindsets. And it really did help me where every day you kind of just, I kind of learned that you need to wake up and just be grateful. I think that was a, a really big takeaway that I've had from almost every single person that I watched the you know podcast of or whatever. It's just, they usually say the same kind of concept of wake up and be grateful. And that's kind of how you start your day of being positive or having these right thoughts. So I think that was kind of the main thing for me is just waking up, starting the day. It's super simple, just being thankful for the day, ending the day, also being super thankful and just kind of looking back and, and realizing what you did, the highs, the lows, because every day is going to have a low, every day is going to have a high, but you just have to appreciate each of those for what they are. Um, and then I guess outside of kind of mindset, I just learned how to use TikTok better which I think actually is going to be very valuable um, just because of the reach that you can kind of get on there. Um, and I, just kind of challenging myself to learn how to edit videos a little bit and kind of get clips like that. I mean, I, I had no idea how to do it, but I just went for it and I challenged myself just to try and do something I didn't really know how to do. So I, I think that was big for me. I've said it, I've said it before. If I waited until I knew what I was doing, to start this podcast, to start their stories, it would have never gotten off the ground. You know, it really is just kind of a step-by-step, learn-as-you-go. Again, it's cliche, but you don't... I didn't have to learn how to publish in an RSS feed and all this stuff. I didn't know how to do that to book a guest, right? So... Once I book the guest, then I move on to, okay, how am I going to talk to someone, you know, through what platform and then how am I going to edit it? And then how am I going to, then how am I going to publish? And, um, you know, I, I, that's one thing that, that I've learned is just that concept of, man, just, you know, you're right, man, just kind of just get started, get started and it'll, it'll work itself out eventually. Um, you've mentioned the gratitude and being grateful. What is what is Gavin Smith grateful for? You know, you you touched on a couple things, just, you know, waking up, being able to start a new day and being able to end one. But what else is, is Gavin Smith, you know, grateful for? So I think one of the biggest things for me, so when I was in college, when it came to kind of picking a career or a major, I was always, I kind of grew up in like, with the idea I was going to be an accountant or something financial or, you know, something very, I don't know, I guess basic because that felt like the safe option. Um, I ended up going into marketing, which is still a pretty basic field, but I felt like it was a little more broad to where I could kind of do other things else because I, I don't know with accounting it's kind of you're going to be an accountant or something financial related at least that's how I envision it um, but I think my marketing degree allowed me to get the job that I have now and I think that is probably one of the most things like something that I'm most grateful for is the job that I have because I get to be around baseball every day I get to talk about baseball every day and I don't think there's anything better than being able to do that every day. I, I love it. It's just fun. Yeah, there's some things you do that might not be super fun or just kind of a little bit of a, a boring day or something. But for the most part, I'm watching baseball. I'm watching video of baseball. And then on top of that, you have the group of guys that we get to work with. Just a fun group. Some really good friends that I've made within the short time that I've been here. So I think that is one thing for sure because it consumes so much of my days that I'm very grateful that I get to have the job that I have with the people that I have because I don't think a lot of people get to wake up and be excited to do what they do. Um, there truly are many days that I have to wake up and, and be mad or regret doing what I'm doing. Um, so I'm, I'm super thankful for that. And I think that's, one of the biggest for sure. And then also friends, family, girlfriend, things like that. Just, you know, they add to it and help make those days better if they're not a great day or 
if it is a great day, they help add to that even more. So, You finished your career at Carl Sandburg College and, you know, enrolling at Illinois State, having, like you had, like you had said, maybe losing a little bit of love for the game. Maybe it's just losing the love of playing it. Um, if you think of, you know, where you were back then, your relationship with baseball, kind of in that transition from leaving JUCO to go to Illinois State as a student, did you think you'd have a, a job in baseball? Did you think that, and if someone told you that, one, if someone told you that back then, would you have believed them? Two, would you have wanted it? That's a good question. Um, I think when I think about it now, for sure, I, 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 I think I would have said I wouldn't have wanted it at the time. Um, but I also don't think I would have, I would never have guessed that I would have had that a job in baseball because I thought it was kind of a reach or something that would be just hard to do. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I mean, it really wasn't even something I was interested in anymore. I just kind of wanted to stay away from it. I mean, honestly, I don't think I picked up a baseball glove from the moment that we found out our season was canceled because of COVID, probably for at least a year. And that was just not like me, especially with the summer coming up. Because usually every summer, you know, I'd go out in the backyard and play catch with my dad or my brothers or one of my friends. We'd go just play catch at the diamond or something. But I didn't do that. Just I had no desire. I wanted to stay away from it. Um, so, yeah, there was never in a million years when I had guessed that I would have had the opportunity to work in baseball and, and kind of grow my career and center it around that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that I am. But, yeah, it's definitely not where I would have ever expected to, to go. Some of the pieces of advice you've given throughout this this conversation – I think would will be helpful to players. You know, one was visualization. What other because you've you've done it, you've lived it, what other advice could you give to someone who is feeling that right now, is feeling maybe again that imposter syndrome or just got, you know, finishing up the college season right now. Maybe someone just gave up a you know, a season ending grand slam or something or or, or a you know, someone just launched a home run off of them in a similar fashion to what had happened to you when those starts, when those thoughts started to creep into your head. I give you the phone right now. You have someone that's going through that on the other line. What are you telling them? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, and I, I probably told you this before, um, but I think failure is not really the right word to use so the example you said is if someone gave up a season ending home run but don't you can't look at that as a failure and it becomes a failure if you don't do anything about it you have to look at that situation hey what did i do wrong here because you're going to make mistakes whether it's sports life anything you made one mistake there and, and you gave up that home run and that's okay Figure out what what you did wrong. Figure out how you can next time be better. Maybe in the off season, hey, I need to work on that curveball a little more. Whatever it is, and turn it into a lesson rather than thinking, oh, I failed there. I that it was just because you lost the game doesn't mean you failed. It was just the situation you were in. You were put in a situation where if you gave up that home run, you were going to lose. But that doesn't make it a failure. It could have been. That could have happened in the third inning and it you just gave up two runs and you have four or five, six more innings, whatever, to get those runs back and win. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is to not let something bad happening turn into a failure. I, I, I think that's the biggest thing. Learn from everything you do. Make it a lesson to try and better yourself for the next time so you're better prepared, whether it's mentally prepared, physically prepared, whatever it is, just always be prepared for that next step. You know, I just had a, a thought on this that I, I don't think I've ever had before. It's even if the career finishes, the playing career finishes on that that home run that they just gave up. And for me, it was 
not qualifying for the state tournament my senior year. I look back on that as a failure. Like, point blank, I do. But it's it's that has given me potentially more than if I did achieve the goal. And the reason I say that is because if someone thinks that what, you know, maybe they, again, maybe their playing career just ended. Baseball's not over. You just got beat, didn't qualify for the state tournament and wrestling like I didn't. Wrestling isn't over. Try coaching, okay? Try hopping on a podcast and talking about it and giving advice. What would you have done differently? Or talk about the maybe regrets or talk about, again, what would you have done differently and then offer that piece of advice or try, again, try coaching, try being a commentator, a broadcaster, an umpire, a referee, hop on a podcast, have a conversation, give advice. And then after all that, tell me that it was a failure. You probably can't, right? Yeah, because it's 100%. given you, it's given you perspective. It's given you lessons you've learned. You, hopefully you've taken something from that. Um, so that, I mean, I never really had a clear thought on, on that. Like, like I just did, I would, I would challenge that person. Okay. You, you know, you might be down for sure. It sucks. You know, it sucks, but try coaching, hop on a podcast and talk about it. And when that's all said and done years and years and years later, after all, after all the knowledge and wisdom and advice that you've gained and given, Tell me that it was a failure. Like, I challenge you to do that. And you probably can't. Yeah. And I'm sure, too, had you won or had you gone to state, you wouldn't maybe have had to drive for something later in life. to, Because I'm sure that that drives you to not want to be or feel that way ever again. Because I know that's how I, I feel, too. It's like, I didn't do well at baseball. And I think... In high school, I let my natural ability that I had get me to where I, I got. I didn't really work out a ton. I didn't do what I probably needed to do. I wasn't hitting every day. I wasn't throwing bullpens a couple times a week or whatever it was. And now it's like, well, I'm not, I'm never letting myself, like, I'm not going to lose again. Like, I, I know I have the drive now to be great. And I know I have to actually take the steps to get there. You can't just half-ass it and hope it hope it comes, you know. And I'm sure that that's what happens for you. You know, you you maybe didn't make it to state, you didn't win state, whatever your goal was. But I think that kind of fuels your fire and, and makes you want to work harder and probably get to where you actually want to go. Yeah, hundred percent. Because then I I didn't think about it at the time, but now I do. It's maybe if I had you know, gone hard on that extra, you know, that extra sprint in practice or if that random practice on, you know, January 4th, you know, you just think of some random date and, you know, maybe I, maybe I took that practice off a little bit. Maybe I, maybe I only went like 75% instead of a hundred. Maybe that was the difference. Maybe that, that, that was the loss right there. Um, so I never want that again. You know, I never want that feeling. So it's always, um, do what you can, you know, be prepared because you don't want to, you don't want to feel like you, you left something on the table. Um, not even in that final defining moment, maybe it was in, in terms of preparation or in terms of that, that practice or whatever it is leading up to that, that moment. Um, two more for you. I, there's, there's one that I've, I've kind of grown to to like this question. Um, what if you were interviewing yourself? What question would you ask yourself? And I think because you know I've given you a list of questions, and I do that with all my guests, right? A list of talking points. But I think if I were interviewing myself. There'd be questions that I would ask that I know I can give like the absolute best answer. Like I think I'm an expert in like some topics, right? Like based off of my lived experiences. So obviously I'm not, 
you know, the smartest person in the world or I'm an expert on, on, you know, everything. But what I mean by that is based on my lived experiences, there's questions I would ask myself that I am the most knowledgeable of, that I'm the most capable of answering to give the best advice, the best wisdom, the best knowledge to the person listening. So what question would you ask yourself? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good question too. I, I think it's hard because the knowledge I have is obviously only to this point. It's not like I'm some 50-year-old person that has this whole life experience. But I think as of now, I think kind of what we even just talked about today is probably the best advice or the, the best advice, yeah, the best advice that I could probably give someone. And, and it's how do you kind of handle failure? Like, I, I think I would be able to ask or help someone kind of get through handling failure, handling success on the baseball field. And I, I think, I don't, I guess I don't really have an exact question that I would want to ask, but I think kind of the questions that you have asked me so far is probably the where my expertise as of right now would lie. So basically anything where I'm helping someone go through kind of the, I guess, college baseball scene, what it's like, what to expect, how to find success at that level, how to handle failure at that level. Um, I, I think that's probably the, the best lessons that I've ever been taught in my life is in those two years that I had at my junior college. So I think talking about something like that or along those lines is where I'm going to provide value the best for someone and have the best expertise for what I have gone through so far. What makes your story so unique but also relatable, achievable for anyone that wants to kind of follow in your footsteps. And it might sound weird, right? I think a lot of people are going to, I think a lot of people listen to that question and think what I'm doing isn't so special or why would anyone want to be like me? But when you look at back at your career or your life in general, right, you played college baseball. You also got to experience just a four-year school as a student um, and, a, you know, a big school at that. Um, you have a, a job in baseball right now. You've launched your you know social media pages for a purpose that is bigger than you. It's greater than you. It's to help others. Like all those things. Like when you take a step back and you look at it, I think if if you were you know young Gavin, you'd you'd brought up young Gavin. I think if young Gavin saw that, saw everything you're doing right now and everything you you did do in in the past, like he'd be. Like, okay, yeah, I, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, I want to yeah, you know, take that route. So so what makes your story unique but also relatable and achievable that that anyone can be that that Gavin Smith, I guess? I think what, what makes it relatable is that I, I kind of, you just followed, I followed my dream, whether I might not actually be playing for the Cubs or whoever, but I'm doing something in the career that I want to do. And I went out with those social media pages and did something that I cared about and was passionate about. And anyone that has a dream of any sort, I think you can just find your, find what you love, find what you want to do. And if there's nothing out there that, whether it's a job, then make some, make it a job, make it a passion project and, and have, a job that gets you paid on the other, on the side, but just try and do what you're passionate about, follow your dreams. And you actually like, that sounds cliche to say that follow your dreams, but you just have, like I, I went out and did what I loved. I found what I loved and I rolled with it and you have to work hard to get to that point. You have to work hard when you're at that point, but you just kind of, I found my avenues that, that I cared about, that I was passionate about, and, and I went for that. And I think, I think anyone, I think anyone can do that too. I, I think if you have 
something you're passionate about and you care about, you have the ability to do that. It's just whether you actually do it or not, I think is what, what makes a difference. Gavin, thank you. This has been, this has been fun. Again, I know this is a conversation that we've, you know, both wanted to have for, for a long time. And something tells me that this isn't the only time you'll be on. Um, I, I think, uh, I think you have you have a lot more to offer and, and you are um you know you're paving your way kind of in in everything you're doing in the industry and and what you're doing with your with what you're launching. So I can't wait until the next time you're on. Um I'm speaking that into existence, you know, with wherever you take Mind Elite. I'm excited. Again, I'll link everyone. Uh, I want everyone to go check it out and go follow um to support you. To support you supporting others, I think is probably the you know a great way to put it. So, man, I appreciate it. Um, this has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, thanks. This is this is awesome, and yeah, like you said, I I know I've been waiting for this, and I know you've been excited for it ever since that, that trip up to Eau Claire. So, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs>